on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. Noah is out there covering the state championship baseball game for Auburn High School. They are up 4-2 on the Hoover Buccaneers. For anybody in the Auburn area listening to us, ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the phone call. Find Lance and myself on Twitter at Doll Pound at Levi Fitzwater. And listen to the podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. Again, like the podcast, unlike it, subscribe to it, unsubscribe, review it, unreview it. It just helps the algorithm, gets the numbers up there. Lance. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little sore, but I'm I'm readjusting to life post back brace, and right. it's nice to bend, freely move around again. So I'm still working out some kinks, still getting getting the bones shaken up again. Yeah, well, I might necessarily not necessarily be that uh, not necessarily uncomfortable, but just trying to adjust and get back to everything. I'm I'm on the other hand really really tense and nervous right now as Auburn is taking on Hoover in that state championship game. Got to uh, run the board for that broadcast earlier today for the second game. Actually, Auburn lost that game eight to two. It actually tied the most runs that Auburn High School has given up this season. Just didn't look complete on the mound. Jack Toulier still battling an injury. Had to get pulled in the, in the first part of that uh, bottom half actually of that second inning. Auburn again, eventually losing that second game, eight to two. But they are currently up four to two on the Hoover Bucks. I believe that game is currently in the fourth inning now. Uh, you can find that game over on ninety six three WLE. Scott Bagwell, Noah Gardner on the call for that one. Yeah, we'll we'll try to keep you updated throughout. If anything happens, we will probably try to just interject that in in between our broadcast. But yesterday, it, right right after we ended our show, literally, we had Auburn basketball get some news. Katie Johnson from Georgia. He's going to be transferring into the program. So for me, that kind of just that's going to put the nail in the coffin on Scoot Henderson. I think that's you know, that's done. Uh, he's going to the G League as we presume, but not a bad consolation prize when you're getting a guy like Katie Johnson from Georgia. That's right. As far as Scoot Henderson is concerned, I think I talked about this with Zach Blackerby on Locked On Auburn just a day ago. Whenever you start to hear rumors like what we were hearing with Scoot Henderson late in the recruiting process. It was this very similar thing to Jalen Green. Whenever you hear rumors and things are shifting and crystal balls are being predicted days before a recruit decides to make his announcement, it's probably legitimate. And if there's a lot of guys swinging that way, you got to be able to look at it and say, well, we lost another lottery pick. Auburn has been so close to getting some really, really talented guys. Of course, they did get one in Jabari Smith, and they're, they, they're, they're having one potentially getting drafted as a lottery pick in Sharif Cooper this season. But, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing. But at the same time, Auburn's been able to find guys to reload and retool this year's roster. And Katie Johnson is another really talented freshman that I think could help the Tigers out a lot. Just looking down, just running through his bio on 24-7 and just give some extra numbers here for you. Katie Johnson, six foot one, 190. 
He was a four-star freshman coming out of high school, 20th point guard in the country, six in his state. He is from Chatham, Virginia, and he was originally committed to Georgia, played last season for the Bulldogs, averaged 13.5 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, and 1.2 assists per contest. But the thing is, is he was not a starter. He was a backup point guard, and he played only 22 minutes per game. He was scoring almost 14 points a contest in 22 minutes. Very, very efficient basketball player, shot about 39% from three. His first game of the season, I think some Auburn fans might remember, was actually against the Tigers, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. He had the most minutes he would actually get that season in that Auburn game. I believe he had 38 minutes in that one. Uh, Due in part outside of that to the emergence of Severe Wheeler. As the season went on, Katie Johnson's minutes went down, Severe's went up, uh, because Severe was really, really having himself a back half of a season. He was playing outstanding. Wheeler actually just committed to Kentucky just a couple of days ago. But the only other game that Katie Johnson got significant minutes in was the Alabama game. And that was actually only because that Wheeler fouled out. Another note about that Alabama game is that it was also Katie Johnson's career high, 24 points. But it was not a stellar performance from the floor. And I'm going to read you his stat line, Katie Johnson's stat line, Levi. And I want you to tell me who it reminds you of. Auburn fans may, may have a gut initial reaction as to what this stat line reminds them of. 6 of 15 from the floor, 2 of 7 from 3, 10 of 15 from the free throw line. Who does that remind you of, a recent Tiger? That makes me feel like Sharif Cooper right there. That's that's, that's very Sharif Cooper-like on that stat line right there. It's very Sharif Cooper-esque. And Noah and I were talking about it two days ago. It was like, well, his initial reaction is like, well, it's a guy like James Harden or Trey Young. Exactly. A lot of Auburn fans have disagreements on whether or not they think Sharif Cooper is going to the NBA. And this is a little sidetrack comment I just want to make before we continue with Johnson. But... Everybody has their opinions on whether or not Cooper's going to make it in the NBA. Initially, I was like, well, I really don't think he is going to. And then I was like, well, maybe he can. And then I backed off towards the end of the season. It's like, well, guys have figured out the one thing that he's able to do offensively, which is get downhill, and everybody was able to stop him at the block. But something that he's able to do really, really well still, that guards in the NBA like Trey Young and James Harden and Steph Curry do really well, is they draw fouls from behind. Whenever they get mm-hmm. inside the lane, they get to the paint, they're able to draw fouls, get to the free throw line, and that's that's where they make their living. And if Sharif Cooper can stay healthy, develop somewhat of a three-point shot, he's going to be a really lethal NBA player. That being said, as far as Katie Johnson goes, way more efficient scoring the basketball, but he's very unlike Sharif and the fact that he doesn't spread the ball around. Again, only 1.2 assists per game compared to two turnovers per contest. Not like Sharif Cooper in that aspect, and I think that's a good thing because Katie Johnson's not a one-and-done player. He's going to stay with the Tigers for at least two more years, in my opinion, and that's going to give him time to develop and become a legitimate starting SEC shooting guard. He's listed as a point guard for Georgia. He was listed as a point guard coming out of high school, but this man shoots the basketball. I'm not saying that he can't spread the ball around. I'm not saying that he can't develop that skill to go along with his shooting because, obviously, as you become more of a scoring threat, other guys will get open because attention's more focused on you. He may develop an ability to pass or get guys open or who knows what could happen, but I'm saying this. This is a really good piece for Auburn if he doesn't start this year, if he plays behind Desi Sills, because year two, if he was averaging 14 in his first season, what's he going to average as a backup in Bruce Pearl's system, and what's he going to average in year three as a starter? I mean, the sky is the limit for this kid. Yeah, I think it's a really good, it's a really good player to bring in because of all that, all that that you just highlighted. For me personally, I really enjoy the fact that he's a guy who he's not. You're not worried about him being gone. 
after this season unless something like unless something happens where he needs to right. like lead the program or whatever but in terms of he's not like a, he's not a one and done type type of player he's going to be on this football team for a while or football team he's going to be on the basketball team for a while and you really like it's good because the business that Auburn's in right now they're running guys in and out they're you know it's a more of a one and done style recruiting you know approach that Bruce Pearl and them are taking so you you do enjoy when you like you do have to have some guys that stay on the roster right. consistently, and Katie Johnson's one of those guys. I think one of my favorite things from this came from at it's a Georgia Hoops fan at Uga Hoops blog <laughs> on January 11th of this year tweeted Katie Johnson greater than Sharif Cooper hashtag beat Auburn mm. and friend of the show Jacob Hillman quote tweeted and put you know you just got out recruited by Bruce Pearl <laughs> you know the typical meme meme videos that everybody posts on Twitter for Auburn basketball and then the guy kept going the guy had a couple other things where he said I'll still ride with Katie Johnson to my Georgia basketball grave bring the heat Auburn fans this was January 13th and then to yesterday he said I guess I need to add one last tag to this tweet Katie Johnson is still going to be a great player, so take care of him, Auburn. There you go. Something I do want to point out real quick. I know this is a side note, not necessarily related to Johnson, but last season some people were disgruntled with what Bruce Pearl was doing. A very small amount of people were disgruntled with what Bruce Pearl was doing with this program because they didn't have Shreve Cooper, obviously, Auburn, Finished with a, with a sub 500 record. Some some guys thinking, some fans out there like, mm, I don't know if this, if this is going to work out. You know, it's it's very it's very like Auburn fans to be like this. We've seen it in football so many different times where it's just like, oh, Auburn has a sub, subpar year. Looks like we got to burn the whole thing down and start it over from the beginning. Tom Crean is 41 and 49 in three seasons at Georgia. He has had a number one overall pick. Auburn has also had a lottery pick. Auburn is not doing what Georgia is doing right now. They are not imploding. Georgia has had nine players leave their program this offseason. Nine. One of them being Johnson and the other one being Wheeler. They've lost both of their point guards. They're gone. Everybody on their team has left. It's a mass exodus in Athens right now. How is Tom Crean going to survive at Georgia? The question is, is how much longer? Because you look at his SEC record, he's only 14 and 40 in the conference. And if you combine that over the last three seasons compared to every other SEC team, that's 13th best. The only other team that's worse is Vanderbilt. Auburn is in a fantastic place right now, especially <sighs> if they can get guys like Katie Johnson, who are bright spots on that on this Georgia program that are that that's that's not doing well right now. If we can get some guys like this, this to come in and develop. Auburn's going to be so good. We got a kid from North Carolina, y'all. We got a five-star center from North Carolina. How much could you want? That helped, that picked Auburn over Gonzaga, by the way. So you took him from Don't North. Don't forget that you took him from North Carolina, one, and then he chose you over Gonzaga. By the way, you know, I don't I don't know if you know much about basketball, but Gonzaga, you know, they're they're okay. They you know they they just recently went to a national championship game. You know, like a few months ago. They may or may not be one of the most prestigious basketball programs in the last 20 years to have not won a national title. That is true. That is true. But yeah, Very I, talented program. Yeah, Auburn, Like I, I always thought it was asinine last year when I heard people who were complaining about Bruce Pearl and the Auburn program because in my head I'm thinking, why? Like, what, it's like, insane. Like, you, you don't remember the days. You, you don't remember the days where there was nobody – in Auburn Arena or even, you know, the Memorial Coliseum. Like when when you had when you were finishing with like no SEC wins or like barely get, clawing out a game. Like you I remember I think it was 2013 or 2012. I think it might have been 2013 February, but it might have been the 2012 season where 
Auburn hosted Florida, and I'm pretty sure Auburn got beat by like 30-something points, and I was there. I mean, Florida was like a top-10 team at the time, right? and I remember being there just thinking, good Lord, this Auburn team is so far off of everybody, like everybody else in their conference, and now you look at it, and they're bringing in like back-to-back years, like the highest guys that they've ever recruited into the program. You're looking at a year where you're going to have a third straight guy drafted in the first round, as you would assume, where you're going to go from, you know, a Chumo Kiki to then Isaac Okoro, and then you're going to have Sharif Cooper drafted. Like you're going to have, you're going to be putting guys into the league. Like you have Jared Harper, who's been playing for the Knicks on a, you know, up and down contract. I still don't understand why he deserves to be on that roster. Oh, 100%. I mean, he definitely deserves it. He deserves to be on the roster. I don't know what they're doing with him in that, that regard, but you've got guys. From this Auburn program making making it to the league. You have Auburn who is outside of last year, but you know, last year was a last year you had a lot of issues that most teams would right. would fall regardless. I mean if they didn't have a point guard, if they didn't have a yeah. fifth string point guard, you do realize we were down to Jamal Johnson. He was our fifth option. Yeah, because I mean you have guys who weren't playing, you had guys who left, you had injuries. I mean, it was just like even when Sharif Cooper wasn't playing, then you have, you know, Justin Powell getting hurt. Like it was just Everything that could have happened for Auburn, like everything that could have went wrong for Auburn last year, went wrong for them throughout the first part of the year. And we still beat a top 25 Tennessee team. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't understand how that happens. I mean, uh, unless you're just Bruce Pearl and you just own Tennessee. Say what you want about Tennessee and their inconsistencies last season, but it's still a top 25 team that you managed to beat. We, we beat Missouri as well, and we understand that like they didn't pan out. They lost to Oklahoma in the first round, but it was still a solid basketball program team. that was in the top 25 whenever we played them. It was still a tournament team. Exactly. It, was a team that we, it was a team that Auburn should not... It, Auburn had no business beating those two teams, and they ended up doing it because they still had good talent on the roster. Bruce Pearl is still a good coach. You just it, It's hard to win basketball games. At the collegiate level, especially when you don't have a point guard. I mean, at any level, if you don't have a, a point guard out there, not just like, oh, I've got the backup in. Like, no, you've got the fist string in. Like, you're going to struggle, especially at the collegiate level where they have legitimate talent that you're going up against in, I'll say it, a pretty good basketball conference in the SEC. Yes, it was a little down last year. Right. It was, but you're still playing at a top notch, like, you're still playing top notch competition. At one of the premier, you know, like the Power Five, whatever you want to call them for basketball, you're still playing, you're still playing good competition without, you know. That's interesting you say that Power Five because I've gone back and forth with some people on whether or not it used to be called the Power Six with the yeah. Big East. Yeah. I still think it's the Power Six, but I've had some people argue with me and say, well, no, it's more of a Power Five now. That conference is really weak. I would still argue that the Big Big East is is consistently in contention as as a as a dominant conference i, I would say that, that the, it's a power six but gone are the days of malcolm canada and tj lang and simeon bowers and tj dunnans all res- all good in their own respective rights but like we were talking with coach pruitt director of operations just a couple of weeks ago he's like you know whenever we were we were there early on with auburn we needed some we needed some guys we needed some guys to come in and in, in, in commit to auburn and we eventually got that over time and as we start to build this program with recruiting you know something that bruce pearl does so well is, is bring these guys together and give them chemistry so if you can get really talented athletes and you give them chemistry they're going to be unstoppable. We saw that in Auburn's 2019 Final Four run. You get some guys that can shoot the basketball and know how to play well with each other. Give them a year in the in, in the system, and they will be fantastic 
when they have to be. And, and I, I think this year's team will be even better in the regular season than that 2019 uh, unit was, and they will dominate. I agree with that. And I agree with that, especially for the fact that we do have, like, Auburn is getting some some positive media attention that we will talk about later on with with you know someone actually acknowledging this Auburn team for for the first time for the upcoming year but they built the program at least the way I way I see it is they the one thing that they've done exceptionally well that I think has helped them tremendously it's Atlanta it's that George it's that Atlanta pipeline the the surrounding areas they know it's a hotbed for talent not just for football basketball like I mean that's you have athletes coming out of Atlanta and it's Say what you will, it's in Auburn's backyard. Like, I mean, Atlanta is not but like a, a, an hour and a half, hour 45, depending on where you're at, going right up the road on North 85. So, I mean, like, you want to hit that. You want to hit that hard. And Bruce Pearl and the guys, they have they have cultivated that area. They have looked at it and said, you know what? It's ours. This is ours. I mean, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Georgia Tech? You want to go to Georgia? Nah, come here. Powder Springs, Atlanta, <laughs> McEachern High School. I mean, it's all coming to Auburn. And something else I do want to point out really quick before we go to break is Auburn actually, whenever you look at their record over the last four years compared to the rest of the SEC, they have the best winning percentage and the most wins out of the entire SEC over Kentucky. For the last four seasons, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I can pull them up later whenever we come back from break. But Auburn is not is is not what they used to be, and it's because of Bruce Pearl. And if you are going to sit here and tell me that there is anything wrong with this coaching staff, you are out of your mind. Because look at what they're bringing in in the transfer market right now. It's some talented guys to replace already talented guys on the roster. It's not a st- it's definitely not a step down. It is if anything a step up, especially whenever you have guys like. Walker Kessler coming to your program. That's all I'm going to say. 100%. I mean, it's, it's going in the right direction. Anybody who thinks otherwise, I would I would definitely like to hear your side of the argument and hear what, what your reasoning for that is. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't see it. So we're about to head to a break. On the other side of the break, we are going to talk some Auburn football from the past five years and kind of go over some of Lance and myself's favorite moments from that time, just kind of relive and get ourselves hyped for the upcoming season. We will be right back. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 1067, Fox Sports Central, Alabama. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. 334-321-1390. Check out the podcast. You know where to find it. And let follow Lance and myself on Twitter at Daw Pound at Levi Fitzwater. So we alluded to it in the previous segment. We're going to talk Auburn football. Before I get to that, I will go ahead and say that the Auburn Tigers of high school in their state championship game against Hoover. They are up 5-2 to two at the top of the fifth. Last update that I received. So it is looking good for the Tigers right now. Up three in the rubber match of the state championship game. Yeah, and I I don't want to jinx it, but Auburn this entire season, whenever they've they've gotten a lead, they've been a, they've been able to hold on to it. Yesterday, actually, no, it was it was the series against Central where they had a seven one lead heading into the uh, bottom of the seventh there, and they were just trying to close it out. And Central cut it to one, made it a seven six game, and then Auburn managed to squeeze out a victory. 
Uh, even if something like that does happen today, it, obviously it's a much closer game as of right now. But Auburn's been able to hold on to their leads that they've had so far this season, and they've been able to close these these tight games out. And this team has been so talented. The bullpen has just been phenomenal outside of, of course, the game that we just saw earlier today, an 8-2 loss to Hoover in the Game 2 of the state title uh, series. But, you know, I expect Auburn to finish this one out strong. I said it coming into this series. I thought the Tigers were going to win. I thought they were going to win hand. I didn't expect this game to loss, but you know, now that Auburn's kind of taking control of this third game, I expect them to close it out. Yeah, I mean, the, their strong suit has been some of their pitching depth, especially Fantastic. with the bullpen coming in. So you 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 like the position that you're in. Obviously, any any team is going to love the position they're in when they're up late in a baseball game. But you think up to the pros with a team like the Braves, whose bullpen has just been miserable, even at the collegiate level. Auburn, their bullpen has not been great. So even when you're leading those it's games, an understatement. Yeah, even in those games where you're leading, you don't feel comfortable at all. But with the Auburn High School Tigers, like you feel a lot better because their strength has been the bullpen and their pitching. So when you're leading five to two, top of the fifth, you're thinking we got a good shot to win the ring right here. That's right. It's a very good shot. This bullpen has been. So fantastic up until again just earlier today. Ryan Austin, I believe I believe is his name. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm so sorry if the parents are out there listening. They they hear me say that on air and it's it, it's 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 incorrect. But you know, 37 strikeouts to I believe seven walks up until game two, and he he walked three batters in an inning. And you know, it just Auburn just kind of fell apart there after Toulier was taken off the mound, but. You know, Auburn's pitching depth has been so solid this season, and every time they've needed a guy to answer, uh, they he has. And I just expect Auburn to kind of close this one out. And this has been a fantastic season for for Auburn high athletics, period. Whenever you look at what this team's been able to do, they have they came so close in the Final Four in basketball. Very, 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 very exceptional season. Auburn State title game in football, don't necessarily want to talk about that. But, you know, they got there, and this is a very, very talented group of seniors. And then baseball looking to close this one out here. It's been a good year for Auburn High. It's been a really good year, and you're hoping that kind of translates over to the university, especially on the football side of things, which is where we're going to steer this conversation now. Me and you are going to go through our – well, the, the past five seasons, and we're going to go through some of our favorite moments from the football season to try to get us geared up and get us, you know, get get some interest going back and kind of look on things and see where the program is now, where it's going compared to what it was. So, Lance, what you got for me? Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of go through some of our favorite moments. I know last season was just kind of a bummer, and Auburn fans are kind of either on the fence or they're they're just down after seeing what happened last season. Just inept offensively and obviously firing their head coach and I know there's a lot of optimism around the program specifically with Brian Harson, but I, I know a lot of Auburn fans that are just kind of sitting neutral right now and they just need something to kind of kind of lift their spirits and if you want to call in and talk about some of your favorite moments over the past few seasons we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 would love to have a conversation with you just just talk some Auburn football but as far as last year's season goes you know obviously again not a lot of very positive moments but there are two games games three technically if you want to get into it back to back to back that were you could you could take some really special moments from obviously the first one being at Ole Miss where Auburn won 35 to 28 one of the better offenses in the country Auburn was kind of able to shut down and I think the I think the one of the favorite moments of the entire year Auburn fans could look back at was that that tank run whenever he it was on somewhat of a counter he was taking it to the left outside stiff arms a man and dives into the end zone for what would be a Heisman worthy touchdown if he was able to play a full season 
Yeah, I mean that that was definitely one of the highlights. I, I looking over last year, last season in to, in totality, I'm sitting here thinking, I straight up did not enjoy last year. Like looking at yep. these games, I'm thinking, what was a highlight? Because I straight up was not having a good time. Slim pickings. Yeah. So I, one of the things that always sticks out to me is the Mississippi State game, which you kind of overlooked that game because mm-hmm. the, the season was dead by then. I mean, you'd already played the Iron Bowl. Playing a team after Alabama just kind of felt weird Two last teams. year. Teams, yeah, play, yeah. I mean, like when you play like a regular season game, you just feel it feels weird. So, like, you, I mean, you had two teams with Texas A and M and then Mississippi State. The Mississippi State game was a makeup that you weren't like. It just it didn't have much of a purpose for anything that it felt like at that time. But the Seth Williams highlight where the cornerback or the defensive back from Mississippi State is just jawing at him, going back and forth. So then Seth Williams says, okay, hold up, I got you, and then just goes and you know gets a touchdown over him and goes straight to him to talk more junk to him. And I, I, I love that play. I think that play was probably one of my highlights for that just because it, it showed that at the end of the year, this team still had some fight in it. They, still, like, they were still yep. going hard. They weren't just like laying down and giving up because it did feel like that at certain points throughout the year. So it did feel it was a lot better to see them just they they hadn't completely given up on the year. And I think that's a testament to Will, uh, Seth Williams as an NFL receiver moving forward. Obviously a sixth round pick to the Denver Broncos. Seth Williams, a very physical receiver during his time at Auburn. We all saw that Kentucky game actually to open this season. Caught some two two incredibly impressive touchdowns in the red zone. But again. You know, looking at Williams as a potential NFL receiver, he was able to walk the walk and talk the talk. If you're able to do both as a pro guy, I think he's going to have some success in this league, especially with a high-flying offense such as Denver. I think if Drew Locke's the quarterback of the future moving forward, either him or Teddy Bridgewater, potentially we don't know exactly how that's going to shape up. But I think he could potentially make some noise in the NFL. Guys will just give him a chance. Very talented receiver at Auburn. Yeah, I think he has a good shot. and A lot of people were talking about how – they didn't like him going to Denver because the the receiver room was kind of kind of crowded. He had a lot of guys. But you look at Seth Williams' athletic profile, I think he is better than most of the guys that you're putting ahead of him at times. Takes one play to get on the map. The problem is he's probably going to be the fourth receiver, I would assume, because you do have Jerry Judy ahead of him. You all Jerry Judy who struggled with drops throughout his last, you know, mm-hmm. last year, last season. Then you have a guy like KJ Hamler. You have Cortland Sutton coming back and then I think Seth Williams probably the fourth or fifth guy. Either mm-hmm. depending on the coin flip with him and Tim Patrick, I think Seth Williams has has more athleticism and can develop into something better than Tim Patrick. And I think he could be better than some of the other guys as well. Kind of got a little distracted there, went off on Seth Williams. But we will go to the break. When we come back, we'll just go ahead and wrap up our conversation about some of the some of our favorite memories from Auburn football the past five seasons. And try to get us, you know, stimulated and happy for the upcoming season. We will be right back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Find Lance and myself on Twitter at Levi Fitzwater at Daw Pound. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Last segment, we were talking about some of the highlights from the past few Auburn football season. We're going to continue that on as well. And if you have any moments that you would like to talk about, again, call us, 334-321-1390. 
So we made it through what one year last year. We made it through 2020 in the last segment. So we'll you know go ahead and bump down to 2019. And there's one that's obvious. There's a glaring one that's sitting there just looking at me from the 2019 season. You know what it is. The throw against Oregon from Bo Nix to Seth Williams. Yep. That's an obvious highlight. Back to Seth Williams, baby. He's yeah. made a lot of highlights. That I mean, touchdown, yeah. we'll, we'll get to it later, actually. We'll get to it yes. later. We'll get to it later. But yeah, that that one's one. That, that one's the one that's glaring from 2019 for me. Uh, I remember watching that game. I was over at a friend's house. We were actually watching it on his dock. And I'm surrounded by a bunch of Alabama fans outside of like maybe one. There's another guy who's an Auburn fan there. It's a friend of mine. And we both just like ran to each other. And like I don't even know what we were attempting to do, but it's like he jumped up in the air, I jumped up in the air. I think I tried to catch him and hold him and just fell <laughs> flat on my back, which now I look at it and I'm thinking, <laughs> good lord, I might have like I could have broke like I would break myself if I did that right now. I'd yeah. actually break in half. But now I think back to that moment and just how like how crazy, how happy that was in that instance. Obviously, that's one of the highlight plays from that season for myself. Yeah, that entire second half, you know, I was I was hanging out at my house uh, in Dadeville with some friends. We were all sitting there watching the game, and it, about halfway through the third quarter, we were just kind of like, well, looks like it's over. Oregon's just kind of taken over. Auburn's got some serious quarterback issues. We've seen some mom- we've seen one moment in this game from Bo Nix where it looked like he was he was polished. And outside of that, you know, I just kind of given up hope. Some friends that already left, and then all of a sudden, Auburn starts driving. They get the ground game going. They get that touchdown pass to Eli Stove where Oregon was caught sleeping. And all of a sudden, it's a football game. And whenever you look at Oregon, got stopped twice on fourth down there late in the fourth quarter. Auburn had some serious heroics on the defensive side of the ball. And then Bo Nix driving downfield had that crucial out route to Seth Williams Uh, to get them within field goal range. Before that, actually, Bo Nix diving for the first down. For the longest time during that review, I was like, he didn't get it, it's over. He didn't get it, it's over. It's over. Bo Nix didn't get the first down. But they called it a first down. The drive kept going. And then Chris Fowler, I'll always remember... Auburn can play it safe if they want to, but they're not going to. He realized, he's like, oh, Nix is back, throws it downfield, boom, game over. It reminded me a lot of... It was LSU in 2008, if I'm not mistaken, where Matt or 2007, when Matt Flynn throws the pass and Gerard Powers turns the wrong way and they catch it at the end of the game. And it's like you thought they were just going to try to work it into a field goal, you know, work into a field goal at that at that game. And then next thing you know, Matt Flynn's throwing it to the end zone. And I just remember I remember reading the newspaper next day on that one where Gerard Powers literally said, if I turn my head the other way, I catch that ball and we beat them. And, you know, changes the whole college football landscape because LSU did end up winning national championship that year. Mm-hmm. But a little bit of a digression there. Uh, a, a game and a moment that I think kind of gets a little overlooked. The Texas A&M game. Uh, I know you saw a lot of this play come NFL draft weekend. The sweep to Anthony Schwartz where he just absolutely splits two guys wide open and like he just runs straight through me and that like that speed because I was actually at that game at College Station I was covering it for WGL back in when I was at Auburn and I just remember seeing that from the press box and seeing that speed in person mm-hmm. like put on display like that it's just it was something that just stuck with me because like it's one thing when you see it on the highlight like yes you can see that speed but when I was there in person I remember looking at it going wow like that is that that is legitimate tracks our speed and it just looks so different when you see it in person right and heading into that texas a&m game just put some perspective as an auburn fan bo Nix had not thrown for more than 207 yards his best game was against tulane where he went 19 of 37 and threw for one touchdown 
Auburn fans were not necessarily having a lot that I I wasn't I didn't have a lot of faith in Knicks at the time so going on the road against a top 25 team in Texas A&M ranked 17th in the country at that point I was thinking man this is going to be really tough for Auburn to, to, to pull one out especially if they get down early and uh, they came out and hit him in the mouth with that 57-yard touchdown run, and it's a testament again to Auburn's Auburn's receivers. You know they've been so talented. Uh, Eli Stove comes to mind whenever you're talking about efficiency, but Auburn's not been able to put a lot in the in the in the NFL outside of maybe Darius Slayton, who's just an, an insane talent for the for the New York Giants right now. But it, it was it was one of those whenever again I was sitting out out in Dadeville hanging out with some friends, and we were all nervous about the game. Whenever we saw that, we we're just like, wow. Like, I can't believe Auburn has the ability to do that. And it kind of set the tone for after that game. It's like, well, we now know what Auburn's capable of. Yep. They're capable of going on the road in a very hostile envi- environment and beating a, a very, very good Texas A&M team. And that play was the was was just a hit in the mouth. It was it, impressive. It was early. I mean, it, it really – Auburn Auburn never felt like they – I mean, they only end up winning by eight, but you never felt like Auburn – wasn't in control of that game like yeah like towards the end of it you know a&m started kind of creeping back in but like you like that game showed what auburn could be that season where you have a team that really just took control over that game and they showed what they could do i'm trying to think of some other other ones from that year outside of the iron bowl i can't really think of too many things i do remember the dj williams run uh towards the end of the of the first half of the lsu game that one like that the whole lsu game in totality you think of it because one you played that team that was so dom- dominant, historically like one of the best offenses you've seen in college football, one of like one of the best players that you've seen individually in college football, mm-hmm. and you held them to 23 points, which was just incredible. I mean, they had a little help from the guys in white and black with you know a lot of the holds that were going on with Derrick Brown. Um, no holds being called against LSU. Yeah, like it. it that's a, that's a different discussion. Uh, a lot of people know that I'm not the biggest fan of referees, and I always hold them accountable if I feel like they're doing something not not too accurate. But yeah, that was also my brother. Uh, that was his wedding day, so we were watching the Auburn game at the wedding. Rece- we were watching Auburn LSU at the wedding reception, <laughs> um, which it, it's it's weird because uh, one, they, I think Auburn had had a bye week on that that week for the past two years. So they set it up. They wanted to do it in October, and they said, look, we can do it this day. Auburn's been on a bye the past few weeks. This is perfect for us. We're good. And then it comes down to it, and they're like, well, now we have LSU game going on during our wedding. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, bad scheduling on your part. Don't schedule a wedding during football season if you expect me to, if you want me to come. I'm not going to come anymore. Don't don't schedule it on a Saturday in the South because. Absolutely not. No. no. Like, you can't do that. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not coming. Not coming anymore. I think I think before we touch on the Iron Bowl for a minute, I do also want to point out that the Ole Miss game, while not flashy in the slightest 20-14 to 14 win, uh, Bo Nix set the uh, freshman record for Auburn in terms of passing yards in that game, 340 yards passing, 30 of 44 on the day. No touchdowns, though. Uh, kind of interesting to see. But, you know, that was one of those games where I look at Bo Nix as a passer and I was like, Oh, well, this kid definitely has some upside. There's a reason this kid was a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. He can definitely sling it. He's got the ability. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen that pan out. I think, I think again, talking about the defense, you are talking about how LSU was held to only 23 points. That defense did wonders for Auburn th- that season. It definitely helped in Bo Nix's development. I think I think it did for sure. And his 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 he he didn't have that to rely on in 2020. Um, but I think he will be able to kind of rely on that moving forward. And I think this scheme, 
uh, that he's in uh, under Harson now is definitely gonna gonna benefit him. I think he looks comfortable. I think he's focused and uh, having fun. I've and I've heard that some people think he might be a dark horse for the Heisman. That's yet to be decided. Especially but. if he's having fun. He becomes a dark horse for the Heisman, 100%. 100%. I'm going to beat that joke into the ground until somebody calls and tells me to stop doing it. But moving on to the— And if you I- want to call and tell him to stop doing it, 334-321-1390 is Hit the me. phone call. There you go. Shameless plug. But yeah, the Iron Bowl, I mean, pick and choose. Which one you want? Don't You want the doink? You want the pick six? You want the Sean Shivers hit on Xavier McKinney? You want the the play that the the weird the the play at the end of the game that got Nick Saban so ruffled that they had change had change rules for him. Which one do you want? I think for me it has to be the pick six because at the time I was working at an Auburn clothing store and every single employee that was in the building beside the owner and the manager was an Alabama fan outside of me. So I was watching the game with four or five Alabama fans. And it was not fun, but whenever that pick six happened, we had one of the doors open. You could hear the crowd from where we were. The ground was shaking. It was so loud. And I remember as soon as we were, we were all sitting there and we were trying to decide, okay, when do we start uh, making more shirts? When do we start printing the score shirts? And as soon as we saw Alabama's kicker miss that 27-yard field goal with about two minutes to go, we were like, here we go. Start printing. And it was pandemonium throughout the rest of the night. One of my favorite games I've ever been alive for, just period, as far as sporting events goes. Fantastic night. It was incredible. Yeah, there are so many so many hosts of plays that happened in that Iron Bowl that, I mean, just so, so many good things. Something else that I do want to point out real quick is early on, whenever I think it was might have been the first time that I was on this show, just a couple of months ago. Uh, I I made the claim that Sean White, as of as of 2020, was a more efficient passer in his time at Auburn than Bo Nix, and the numbers reflected that. Wasn't saying he was a better quarterback or athlete or could carry a game better than Bo Nix could. I was just saying that he was a more efficient passer, completion percentage, quarterback rating wise, and the numbers reflected that. I got a, I caught a lot of flag for it, and one of the callers, the argument that he made was like, well, he couldn't have beaten Alabama. Well, let's look at Bo Nix's stat line in that game. 15 of 30 for 173 yards and a touchdown. 50% completion percentage, buck 75 and a tutty. I think Sean White could have probably pulled that off. Yeah, I mean, most most collegiate quarterbacks could. Am I saying that he's athle- more athletic than, than Bo Nix? No. Am I saying that he's a better quarterback? No. Would he have been able to complete 50% of his passes for less than 200 yards if he had been put in that situation of the throw healthy? I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I mean, I, I believe so. I, I've I've been often said that not, not on airwaves, but I have said to other people that I think Bo Nix so far in his collegiate career has just been Sean White with a better PR agent. Like that's exactly what he's been. He's been rough. I mean, they've roughly been very similar in terms of some of their stats and whatnot. And just Bo Nix came in a little bit, you know, pe- people knew Bo Nix, five-star recruit. Dad was a dad was a quarterback at Auburn. So he came in, a lot more people knew him than Sean White. And I think that that's carried him a little bit. And and, I, I, and I'm not out here saying that Bo Nix is, is terrible or anything. And I think he, all jokes aside... Sean White took us to a sugar bowl. Yeah. Like he wasn't a bad quarterback at all. All jokes aside, I think Bo Nix is actually going to benefit from this scheme that Harson's bringing in. I think he's definitely going to become more of a polished passer. And I think we'll see that, especially now that he's got a legitimate running back and Tank's big, Tank Bigsby to rely on. I think Auburn's secondary is going to be great. I think they're going to be able to get the ball back to Nix a little bit more this season. I think he's going to be able to rely on that defense a lot more than he did in 2020. 
I'm not saying that he's a terrible quarterback. I think he's going to get better. But my argument back in January was like, as of right now, whenever you watch Sean White, you know, he definitely had his quirks and his issues and his mechanical problems and whatever you want to say. And he had Cameron Petway or a better offensive line. But the bottom line was that completion percentage wise and quarterback rating wise, he looked like the more efficient guy. And I think we are going to see Bo Nix's numbers take a significant jump this season as far as efficiency goes. But as of right now, I, I, I would have a hard time choosing between Knicks and White if I was just going to have somebody out there throwing intermediate routes. Just, I, I think I'd rather take Malik Willis uh, right now over both of them. I, th- yeah, I think that this is an <laughs> argument could be definitely made for him. I think Bo Nix, again, better athlete for sure than than, than White. But I, I would love to see Malik Willis back oh, at Auburn. Man, oh man, I think a lot of people would. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, bef- we're about to go to break. Before we do that, I do want to touch on one game that Auburn lost that I actually enjoyed watching. It's weird for me to say that, the, the Outback Bowl against Minnesota, because that whole year year i had been watching minnesota football very closely for um just for entertainment purposes but i really liked what they did i love pj fleck as a coach tanner morgan's a great quarterback uh, if i'm not mistaken tyler johnson had like 200 something yards that day against auburn so it, it was painful for me to watch but like they were kind of my second team that i was keeping up with all year and i typically keep up with minnesota especially you know with the guy who's going to be the best pick in the nfl next year with rashad bateman mm-hmm. uh going to baltimore I I enjoyed watching because I, I, I was all year long. I'd been like messing with people talking about Minnesota this, Minnesota that. I think they're the, they're a really good team. And then Auburn, of course, ended up having to play them. So I thought that was a kind of a good game for myself to watch. It it didn't end the way I wanted it to, so that was unfortunate. But it still was a fun one to watch. There's some good plays in there. Um, they I think Noah Igbenogany had a kickoff return for a touchdown in that game yep. early on. So like that was good to see. You rarely get to see uh, kick returns at Auburn typically. Um, at least throughout my lifetime, there haven't been that many. And when they happen, it's all always good to see. But we're going to go ahead and head to the break. We're going to close out the first hour of the show on the other side. We'll talk a little bit of Auburn baseball, wrap it up, and then we'll go back to football in the next hour. We'll see you guys after the break. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama. We want to hear from you. Phone number is 334-321-1390. We don't care what you want to talk about. As long as you call and talk to us, we'll do it. You got the NHL playoffs happening. You've got the major league season. Korean baseball is taking off. You got the NBA, I'm sorry, the State Farm NBA play-in tournament that's happening right now. There's a lot going on. And uh, one thing that we're going to talk about right now that is happening tonight, since we don't have what's on TV tonight, we'll just talk about what's on TV tonight and it's going to be Auburn baseball, if they're even on TV. I assume that Auburn baseball will be somewhere on something, some sort of ESPN plus SEC network. Yep. Some, one of those, they'll be on there. You can find it. They're taking on AM. This game, this series, it's big. It's big for the Auburn Tigers if they want a chance to go to Hoover. Um, I, to, just just to, to clarify, technically they are taking on Texas A&M. You're right, technically, and we'll get to that in a second, but they're playing at Missouri tonight, and you're right, it will yeah, be on that's SEC a, Network. That's what, I'm, that's what I meant. I, I meant to say that they're playing Missouri, but they're trying to get over A&M. To put much. it in perspective yes. for Auburn fans listening out there, Auburn is playing the worst team in the SEC East, at the least, uh, tonight. But they are technically in, in a battle right now and in, in, in a competition with Texas A&M because they are currently tied for last in the SEC West, both teams at 8-19 eight, eight in conference play. But the, the team that gets out of this weekend with a better record will be heading to the SEC tournament. 
And we're just going to kind of touch on that for a second. Again, Auburn playing at Missouri uh, tonight. They're going to first pitch is going to be at 630. Uh, Texas A&M playing against LSU, who is uh, somewhere middle of the pack in the SEC West, 11 and 16, 32 and 30 on the year. LSU's got solid pitching and they've got some outstanding uh, defense that they've been playing as, as far as their shortstops have been concerned. Um, whenever Auburn played them, their first baseman had a fantastic day batting. Uh, LSU's got some solid pieces, and uh, they'll be they'll be going to College Station to play Texas A and M. And we're just kind of sitting here and we're just speculating. You know, Auburn's got a chance to get out of this weekend and and find themselves in the SEC tournament after what has been just a, a tumultuous up and down season where Auburn's always been so close. They've been in games late, and then they've just they, they've. I hate to say it the way this way, but they found a way to lose them. They, they, they found a way to lose the games in, in, in any way imaginable. If you can think of a way that you could lose a baseball game, Auburn baseball has probably done it this season. And it's a, it's a shame because there are some really talented guys on this squad. Ryan Bliss immediately is a guy that comes to mind. I, I, I wish all the best for him after he graduates. I think he's going to be a talented player moving forward in the big leagues. But, you know, for Auburn tonight, do you think they can start this series off hot with a win? Because, again... This is a Missouri team that's not very good. Yeah, it's not very. It's not a very good Missouri team, and I think that Auburn has the. I think they have the more talented roster, regardless of what you're looking at, because this team had legitimate expectations going into this year. They were a top 25 team at the beginning at the beginning of the year, and now you're looking at it, and it's it's been incredibly underwhelming and very disappointing when you look at the season as a whole. But there is a chance to somewhat. I'm not going to say salvage it because. This team had higher expectations than just making it to the SEC tournament in Hoover. I just I don't see I don't see like a way that you can make this season a win unless you get to Hoover and you win the whole thing because that's the only way I think you're getting into postseason play is if you get to Hoover and you win the whole thing or you make like you make some noise like you're either gonna have to get to the finals, make a lot of noise, look impressive while doing it, but you can at least end it on a high note. You can get some of the guys that are on this team, some of the young guys. Send them to the SEC tournament. Get them that experience. You can get some of you know, the guys who are moving on and leaving after this year. Let them go out with one last trip. And I think that they can do that against Missouri. I think they could come in and I think they can, be, they, they can beat this Missouri team and then, by the transit of po- property, beat Texas A&M in the standings. I would say they played Texas A&M last, last week. I know that they're locked in with them. So I, I think in my brain I was just like, look, it, it, they're they're going up against A and M. The competition is 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 in, in yes. is in College Station right now. Yeah, the competition is with them and is with them in Texas A and M and the Aggies. But they are playing Missouri to hopefully end up ahead of Texas A and M in the standings, which I think they will. I think this Auburn team will be able to at least take two out of three over Missouri. A sweep would be nice. It is going to be difficult on the road at Columbia. That game is on SEC Network Plus. By the way, I am looking at that now. Six thirty start. Tonight, and you're—I mean, look—the way I see it, this, Auburn's got to win. I, I want to—I think they have to win this game. I think they have to come out strong first game, get it going, get get everything you know rolling. And I just want to see pitching do better out of the bullpen. That's what I want to see. Like I, I want to see that happen at some point this year because the bullpen has been a bit. You say they keep finding ways to lose games. Well, typically when that happens to you, your bullpen isn't very good. Auburn, you know, you could say that their backs have been against the wall this entire season and they've not been able to come up in the clutch, but they've got to be able to do so tonight and got to be able to win this series against Missouri for sure. Yeah, and 
they got to get a win. That's that's plain and simple. Just go out and win. Yep, and we are wrapping up hour number one here. On the other side of the on the hour number two, we got a loaded schedule for you guys. Stick with us on the line. On the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Daw Pound for Lance and at Levi Fitzwater for myself. And then check out the podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever, wherever you want to find it. And again, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, like, review, unlike it, review it again. You know the thing. Get the numbers up. Get the algorithm going. That's how we do things around here. Lance, did you happen to find over the break an Auburn High School baseball update for us, or were you still searching for that? Yeah, so I believe the score is currently still 5-2. to two. Auburn just three outs away from taking this state title game. Hoover currently up to bat, and I believe Will Fuller, one of Auburn's pitchers, is currently getting warmed up in the bullpen. Auburn about to make a pitching change, I believe. May be wrong on that. Uh, we'll get you more info as we continue our number two here. So, so it isn't. So they're three outs away, is what you're saying. Three. They are. They are in the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth, whatever. It is the bottom of. It's the bottom of the seventh. Actually, I'm sorry. Um, it's the top of the seventh. Top and of if the they, seventh. And it's three outs away. Auburn, I believe, is still up five to two. Forget that high school baseball. The, yeah, I forget. I forget that they go to seven. It's strange, I, I isn't forget it? they go to seven. It's I mean, strange. I always forget that. It's like every time. It's you would think that someone who played baseball in high school would actually remember that you only play seven games, but you know that's just that's what it is. So. Auburn High School Baseball looking to take the state championship. They are three outs away. You can find that on uh, 96.3 W. Lee. Our partner Noah Gardner is on the call with Scott Bagwell. So, look, I want you guys to listen to us, but I would not blame you if you flipped over there and just listened to the final three outs. We'll be here when you get back. If you want to go listen to history, I'm not going to blame you. I'll be upset, but I won't blame you because it is some history on the line over there for the Auburn High School Baseball team. So resetting the show over here on hour number two, we are going to kind of backtrack a little bit, go back into the basketball side of things for Auburn. Katie Johnson committing yesterday, but it looks like that that might have moved the needle some with some of these transfers coming in. We've got John Rothstein, who has released his top 25 for going into the season here. And sure enough, Auburn sitting at number nine in that poll. Lance, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's kind of interesting, and the first thing that I see whenever I scroll down on his article that he wrote and look at Auburn's projected starting five, I think a lot of fans would agree that Wendell Green's probably going to get the nod at point guard, but he has Zepp Jasper there starting at the one, and then he has Katie Johnson starting over Desi Sills at the two, which is fascinating to me. I would have thought that they would have given the nod to Wendell. Not be, He's definitely not the more veteran player Jasper is by a mile, but I think he does does have a a little bit more of a talent and so I think he would he would probably get the nod to at least have more minutes than Jasper and then you look at a guy like Desi Sills he has a veteran presence and I think he would probably overtake Johnson 
And I understand that Johnson's a very talented player, but I think they would give the nod to Desi because in the words of Sills himself, I'm going to go where Desi can be Desi. Uh, and he, he he wants to shoot the basketball, and he wants to. I would assume he would want a starting role to go along with that. So that's that's really surprising to me. Another thing to note that he's Rothstein, that is uh, still has, or he, he he at least did yesterday. He's now updated the article. Now I'm looking at it. He still had Trey Alexander on the roster for Auburn in his little prediction. Uh, JT Thor still remaining uh, eligibility, but in that draft process as of right now. But I think it's kind of interesting because there are a couple of teams here that are above Auburn that I I think you could make the argument that are that n- not as good as a basketball program or team rather as Auburn's going to be this season. So what teams are what teams above them are you thinking that you like Auburn a little bit better? Just looking at them. So let's work our way from the top. Let's start at number one and let's work our way down to nine. So no surprise at number one. No surprise at number one. Obviously, if you unless you were living under a rock, like Levi said earlier, if you just don't know anything about college basketball, Gonzaga was a pretty good team last year, and if things hold up, they're going to be another really good team this year. Just got a commitment from Chet Holmgren, a five-star center, very very talented basketball player coming out of high school. They bring back Drew Timmy. Uh, they'll have Andrew Nimhard, uh, former F- Florida point that, guard. That front court's going to be nasty next year. But that B- between court. between Holmgren and Timmy, like that front court is going to be disgusting. Corey Kispert, unfortunately, is a senior. He will be graduating. I believe there's one guy on here as well that that, that could potentially be coming back that is that is not declared. But I'm not. I don't see him. Let's see. Jalen Suggs probably de- he is declared for yeah, the draft. J- I believe Jalen Suggs will be lottery pig. No, no doubt about that. Uh, Joel Ayayi is also another uh, player that I, I believe could come back. I don't think he was he was as stellar as some people might have thought, but I think it's a it's a very easy pick to put at number one starting next season. And then at number two, and you and I may go back and forth on this. UCLA is sitting there at that number two spot, and then they're starting five: Tiger Campbell, Johnny Zhujiang, Peyton Watson, Jamie Jacquez, and Cody Riley. Four of those guys on that that uh, Final Four team just a season ago. But if Zhujiang doesn't come back, I don't. Don't see this team as a top top ten program. Yeah, I think Johnny Juzang carries a lot of weight. I, I still think they might be fringe top. Like I, I think they're probably between ten and fifteen, somewhere in that range. If Juzang doesn't play, I don't have a problem with them being at two because I mean, you look at the guys that are coming back and starting for them. They're not really losing much. You're losing Chris Smith as a senior, Jalen Hill. But if Johnny Juzang does come back, that's the scope I'm going to talk about. If he comes back, you're looking at the same team, some you know some similar team makeup to a team that went to the Final Four. And everybody knows how hard it is to beat a Mick Cronin team because you're not going to beat them unless you kill Mick Cronin. That's the only way that you can <laughs> actually defeat the UCLA Bruins. So I, I don't mind them being up there if Juzang comes back. I do think Auburn I, or, I do think Auburn could be a little bit better than them if Juzang doesn't come back. But I still think this UCLA team is really good. You slide down Villanova. I think they should have a bounce-back year. This team... This team unfortunately had some issues with COVID that kind of derailed them a little bit. You had Gillespie, you had some injuries with Gillespie last year. Just never really felt like it was Villanova's. Didn't feel like Villanova's year. Like kind of how we talked about with Auburn, where everything was kind of going against them last season. I think Villanova the same thing. I don't mind them being at three. I think that's a good basketball team. But I think the I think the contingent point here is Kansas because what like we Kansas has been in a weird position where last year they were not very good. They did not play very good. They, they didn't very, play very well at all last year outside of what getting getting to the tournament, but again, doing in typical Kansas fashion, not being able to score in the tournament and ultimately that being their downfall. 
Yeah, it's just looking at Kansas and, and their roster makeup right now. You know, they've got Remy Martin, the transfer from Arizona State, probably going to play point guard. Martin's been in the, in the college basketball scene for at least 10 years now. I stand by that. He's been here forever. Um, they're going to have Christian Braun starting at guard. They're going to have a three-guard lineup, which, according to Rothstein, which is kind of surprising to me. But Braun, another talented guard there. And then David McCormack, their center, who, again, has probably been there for 20 years looking at it. I feel like he's been there forever. Uh, really surprised that he's still there. Another guy that's not going to be starting that I think people will need to lot- watch for is Joseph Yesifu coming from Drake. He's a transfer. We got to see him ball out against Wichita State in that first four game in the NCAA tournament this season. If you watched Drake basketball at all last year, you know that he was one of the guys that really made them go, got them through some tight games, and I think he's definitely going to be a clutch part of this Kansas roster, but I don't see... I don't see top five in this Kansas team just yet. It's it's a makeup of transfers and guys that have been in the in the in the college basketball world for for decades, and that's a lot of veteran presence there on this roster. But you know, I just don't see it amounting to a top a top five appearance, especially with Baylor. And I understand they're reloading. I don't think they're anywhere in this top ten. But Baylor, you know, yeah, Baylor is. They're they're okay. right. They're right smack right dab at number, number seven. seven. Okay. Number seven. We'll talk about them in a minute. But I think Baylor. Just the way that they're recruiting right now, they're they're able to keep up with Kansas in the Big 12. And I know Bill Self's a really good coach, but I, I think this is Baylor's conference now. Yeah, I mean, I think Baylor's kind of taken the turn on this and, and make, made it their conference. I'm going to go ahead and run through the the last ones that are above Auburn real quickly. We'll just kind of hit all, all of these together. you got Ohio State sitting at number five, Purdue number six, Baylor seven, Michigan eight, and then Auburn sitting at nine in John Rothstein's way too early top 45 I said 25 earlier but it is a top 45 teams that he has inserted in this and Auburn is cracking the top 10 here above those teams above Auburn which one what are those teams that I just named off the Ohio State Purdue Baylor Michigan category of those teams do you see do you see any of those teams do you see Auburn being better than any of those teams going into next year at the very beginning of it. I think Auburn immediately, I think they're going to be a better team than Ohio State is. I think this last year's team proved that they were somewhat of a fluke, especially whenever they got into the NCAA tournament consistently all year long. They were hyped up to be some top five team, and they never really panned out, especially whenever it came to Big Ten play. We learned that the Big Ten conference wasn't actually as good as some people thought. It was. It was. The, we were just all living in the Pac-12's world, and that was just the way it was. But I don't think Ohio State would be able to topple Auburn if they did go head-to-head just just – theorizing here Purdue I think is going to be a really good basketball they had a lot of they have a lot of production coming back they have a lot of guys coming back and they're not losing that much so you would especially if Trevion Williams comes back he does have that option to come back I think this Purdue team could be really good just simply for the fact that they have a lot of guys returning and typically what you see with Purdue Purdue's not a a one and done pump them out type of program we haven't really seen that much they typically keep guys hold on to them develop them and when they have their best years as you would expect are the ones where they have a good recruiting club or they have a good thing coming back. So you like that. I, I think that's a good thing that you, or I think for Purdue's sake, I think they're going to be a really good basketball team. I agree that I think Baylor is going to be good as well. They're just reloading after a championship run. They might not be as dominant as they were last year, but you got a lot of guys coming back. You're losing some guys, but you got some guys who are important coming back. Look, I, I think that, that Baylor team could be really good as well. I think with guys like Matthew Meyer and and Adam yep. Fla- Flagler, I think they're going to be really talented. Just look at the guys, though, that Baylor lost. Jared Butler, Mark Vidal, Massio Teague, Davion Mitchell. Auburn fans know a lot about that guy. Those are those are expected losses, though. 
Key newcomers, Kendall Brown, Langston Love, Jeremy Sokan, and James Akinjo, a transfer from Arizona. So I think this team is going to be able to retool, and it's one of the better defensive teams in the country year in and year out with Scott Drew there at the helm. So I think they're, I think they're penciled in as a top-10 team. Again, I think that the Big 12 is Baylor's, Baylor's conference moving here, from here on out, rather. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Then the last one that's ahead, the last team that is ahead of Auburn, you've got Michigan. I don't know how I feel about Michigan just yet. I know they recruit really well there under Juwan Howard. They've been playing very well. You're losing Isaiah Livers, and you saw how important that was when they lost him last year Mm -hmm. into the tournament. Completely different team. Franz Wagner's going to – he's leaving as well. So I'm trying to think of how they're going to retool. And I think it's going to be – this is probably going to be a better team. I just think that early on you might not expect it. But I I believe the way the Michigan is going where they're getting a lot of talent – they're going to have to lean on young guys. So you expect them to be a good team. It's kind of reminiscent of like those Dukes and Kentucky teams where you look at it, they bring in a lot of talent. You kind of just have to trust that they're going to be a really good team based off of how they're recruiting. Right. And I think a guy that's definitely going to get them going early in the season is Coastal Carolina transfer Devontae Jones, probably going to start at point guard for them. I think he's a really talented player. I think shooting guard Eli Brooks is going to be great. And then Hunter Dickinson, who has also been in the college game for what feels like forever. I think Michigan's been able to turn turn out some really, really talented big men that have actually panned out somewhat decently in the NBA for like three or four years in a row. Like they always have a guy on their roster who's like, I know that name. And then you'll see a year later they're in the NBA. I was like, hey, I know that name where they're from oh it's from Michigan really wow like they're turning Jawan Howard's done such a great job with this program and getting guys that are that are talented big men and turning them into NBA caliber players I think he's done a great job with the Wolverines I think Michigan's a top 10 team I I, I would I would argue that they are again they are retooling losing guys like Livers and Isaiah Barn oh, I'm sorry uh, uh Mike Smith and Franz Wagner but you know I think they're a top 10 team they're losing a lot but I still yeah, I mean, think I they think, got it. I think they're retooling. And the one thing that that I saw in this list, when I initially looked at it, my first thought was, look at number nine and look at number 11. They're the first two teams in this top 45 from the SEC conference. And it's it's Auburn and Alabama. It's not Kentucky. It's not Tennessee. It's, it's Auburn and Alabama who it's are up It's not even in, Arkansas. Yeah, it's not Arkansas. It's not Florida. It's not these teams that you've been accustomed to seeing lead the charge in the SEC. It's Auburn and Alabama, which we know that this has always been a football rivalry. But you now have two teams that are competing at the high level of basketball that they are, and it just adds more fuel to the fire. And I think this is absolutely such a good thing. Do I want Alabama to be bad at basketball? Of course. I'm an Aub- I, I graduated from Auburn. I'm going to want to cheer against Alabama. But you have to respect how awesome it is that not only is not only like even when you look at it in the midst of a saving dynasty where Auburn has not been up to Alabama standard in football consistently, football is still always going to be a rivalry. Even when you look at the the years of the the Shula years for Alabama, when Auburn was dominating the football rival, rivalry, it's still the best college football rivalry in the country. And that's always going to be a thing. But now you're looking at it and you're just adding another layer to hatred. You're yep. adding another layer to what is what like what is the greatest rivalry in college football already. Now you're making it and transitioning it to the basketball side of things. And it's just it just keeps going. And now it's 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 already a year round thing for football, but now it becomes even more year round because you actually are looking forward to basketball season. And you can see 
in the future, potentially top 10 matchups against these teams. Imagine a game at Auburn Arena where you have a top 10 matchup, Auburn versus Alabama. That would be absolutely crazy. And it's, it's the way that Alabama has done it has been interesting to me. They've been able to recruit these guards that know how to shoot the three ball, very similar to what Auburn did in 2019, where they kind of figured it out and they got guys together. And Nate Oates has, has done a really good job as well of cre- getting these guys to create some chemistry with each other, shoot the basketball, have fun, get up and down the floor. And so if th- that's the style that Alabama wants to play, very similar to Auburn, we could see some really, really fun, like you mentioned, some potential top 10 matchups in the future where the these teams are just going at it. And I think that's great. I mean, it's, it's great for both programs. It's great for recruiting on both sides as well because you think about how, how, how many times have you sat down and watched Duke, North Carolina on your television and you could think that obviously Auburn, Alabama is not Duke, North Carolina. I'm not trying to make that, at least on the basketball side of things, I'm not trying to make that, you know, that leap right there. But consistently, if you're producing these you know, ranked matchups against these two teams where there are legitimate stakes on the line, not just that season where you're looking for seeding in the SEC and looking to, you know, put yourself in an NCAA tournament situation. You're looking towards recruiting like you, you're going to have guys who are being recruited by both programs, watching these games, watching them on their televisions at the games for official visits. And you're going to have some tight recruiting battles between these two teams as well. And I mean, it's it's really good. It's, it's great. Like, I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where Auburn and Alabama are competing at a high level of basketball that they're competing at right now. So it's fun to watch. And I'm, I'm just sitting back and enjoy it. You got two great coaches and Bruce Pearl and Nate Oates. Both guys know how to recruit. Both guys have, you know, they've seen you've seen what they can do with these teams. And I think it's great. I think it's really great for this. And I can't say that enough how awesome it is to see that, you know, translate. And you're looking at it. I mean, Auburn, Alabama ahead of Tennessee, ahead of Kentucky, ahead of Arkansas, and you never thought you'd see it. So that's really good. But we are about to go over to a break right now. So stay with us on the line, and we will be back with you in just a moment. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Find us on Twitter, at Levi Fitzwater, at Daw Pound. And you can find the podcast wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is. You know the drill. Like it, unlike it, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate, review, unrate, unreview, all that stuff to get the numbers up. Lance, I do believe that you have an update for the guys out there who are, you know, not listening to the Auburn baseball game, but would care to know the score. Yeah, so it's currently 7-4 Auburn in the top of the seventh. Again, Hoover's still down to their last three outs there. Auburn trying to close it out. And I'll just say it again. I think Auburn's – I want to restate Hoover whenever we were talking earlier. They were actually in the top of the six. Uh, I, I was given the impression that they were down to their last three outs after listening to the broadcast for a minute. They were talking about what would happen after – so it is seven to four Auburn. Hoover is now in the top of the seventh, and they are three outs away from giving Auburn their fourth state title. Three more outs. Let's go. All you gotta do is get the three outs and your state champions. Again, Auburn up seven to four on Hoover in the top of the seventh. Three outs to go for a state championship for the Auburn High School baseball Tigers. Would be really big. Would be really big if they can pull that off so something that we wanted to talk to talk about earlier or that we wanted to talk about today uh the espn post spring top 25 power rankings have been revealed for football 
just got to go back on some football talk here. And you know, you got your you've got your usual suspects here, but there was a little bit of a a shock for me. There was a shock for me at the number one position of this power rankings that I wasn't expecting to see, mm-hmm. and that is the Oklahoma Sooners. So we're just going to run through those real quick. You got Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State running at your top five. Then you got your Iowa State, your Texas A&M, North Carolina, Cincinnati, Oregon, Indiana, Notre Dame, USC, Iowa, Washington, Louisiana, and the Raging Cajuns at 16. And then Florida behind them, <laughs> Wisconsin, Ole Miss, LSU, Coastal Carolina, Texas, Penn State, Arizona State, and Miami. Rounding out your top 25, Auburn nowhere to be found, unsurprising, after a bit of a disappointing season last year with a new coaching staff coming in here. So Lance, I know there's some on there. Is there anything that surprises you on there? There are a few shockers, <laughs> and I think, again, you know, you pull up the article and you scroll down, and the first thing you see is the Sooners logo, and you go, what? I, no. I don't know if y'all... If, if, I don't know if anybody is aware that I hadn't actually went through the full top 25 yet. I had looked at the top 10. So as I'm scrolling down, reading everybody, Louisiana, you, you heard you heard the legitimate shock when I got to the Raging Cajuns and was like, oh, all right, we're doing this today. We're putting Louisiana over Florida. That's cool. I mean, they I, they I get it. They got the they got the program going in the right direction down there in the Sunbelt Conference, but you do lose a guy like Elijah Mitchell. That's going to hurt you for Louisiana, but I don't want to get too focused on them. The big one on there, Oklahoma at number one, I get it. Spencer Rattler, favorite for the Heisman. He's in that Oklahoma system. He's under Lincoln Riley. He's going to put up just just so many. He's going to put so many yards up. It's Spencer Rattler. He might be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year as well. I get it, but at the same time, I still think that you have to respect what Oklahoma has not done. You still have to look at it and see. I don't think I could put them number one in a preseason poll because I've still yet to see them be the best team in the country mm-hmm. at any point in this tenure, like in the Lincoln-Riley era. Yeah, so it's something that the article immediately mentions. As the Sooners are looking to end a 21-year drought without a national championship, and Coach Lincoln-Riley is trying to guide his team to, to a victory in the college football playoff after losing three straight. And you ask, well, what has Oklahoma done in the playoff era, period? Oh, well, they've only lost all of their games by an average of 16 points. It's it's worse than Notre Dame in some areas where some when the, the years that they got in, it's like, oh, Notre Dame shouldn't be here. Oh, they're going to get drilled. And then they did. And it's like, well, it's the same thing with Oklahoma. It's like, oh, well, they shouldn't be here. They're going to get drilled. We saw what happened against LSU. That was, that was in, in every sense of the term, just just domination by LSU on the offensive side of the football. It's like, well, there's a Big 12 team not knowing how to play defense. But, you know, what they lose is is not that much. They lose Charleston Rambo, one of their better receivers, Trey Norwood, uh, a, a solid defensive back, but nothing special. They lose Creed Humphrey, their center. But what they bring back is, is so, so much. They bring back, uh, uh, obviously, Spencer Rattler. They bring in guys like Kennedy Brooks. Mario Williams, Savion Bird, offensive tackle, and then they bring in a transfer running back from Tennessee and Eric Gray, and I think he's going to yeah, be Eric, able to add a lot to this offense. Eric Gray is going to be a big, big addition. You also got Mike Woods coming from Arkansas. I think right. he's a guy who immediately is going to benefit from playing with Spencer Rattler. I'm just worried about October 2nd. That's when they play at Kansas State. That's the bugaboo for any Oklahoma team. It's either Kansas State or a bad Iowa State team. One of those teams are always going to trip them up. You're always going to have that one random game that Oklahoma drops 
I really hope they don't this year. I'm hoping Oklahoma and Iowa State are undefeated going into Saturday, November 20th, because I think that would be just a, a great game. You're playing in Norman. You could potentially have a top 10 matchup of Oklahoma-Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thought we were getting there? I mean, they got the program going very well up there in Ames, Iowa. Brock Purdy, you know, 19th year senior coming in now. That, that, that should be a great game. I'm hoping that these two teams stay undefeated for that. But, yeah, I have a hard time just believing. Like, I get it. I get why they're there. Spencer Rattler is coming back, what they're bringing back, what they're bringing in. I get that. It is just so hard for me to get around the fact that you could put this Oklahoma team at one at one in your power rankings. Two, maybe. I get it. But I just find a hard time putting them over an Alabama team. And I get it. Alabama lost a lot. They lost a lot going into the NFL draft this year. But when does that not happen for Alabama? When do they not lose a lot and replace guys? Yep. It's something that Noah and I were talking about uh, just a couple days ago on the show. It's like, I believe Oklahoma is going to be a really good football team this season. They figured out how to play defense. They bring back 78% of their returning production on the offensive side of the football. I think they bring back some key guys, and the guys that they don't bring back, they're getting in the transfer portal. Guys like Eric Gray going to be incredibly talented. Uh, I think they're going to develop a really good one-two punch between Brooks and Gray. But, you know, they they, they at some point got to be able to get over the humps on their schedule, the, those two being Iowa State and Kansas State, who have somehow just come out of the woodworks. And, and Iowa State's one of the best teams in college football. Kansas State consistently gives uh, Oklahoma at least a fight uh in, in those in that ri- what has turned into be somewhat of a rivalry game Kansas State I believe has taken the last two uh but you know I think Oklahoma is going to be good but I can't for I can't see putting them at number one in my power power rankings because again on the Alabama side of things they always lose guys they always lose coaching staff members they always lose everything and they come back the next season because of their recruiting and because of Nick Saban and and they come back and dominate and I don't see that going away uh, anytime soon. There, th- if there was a year for it to happen, I think it could be this year. I think the argument could be made, but I'm not in that camp. Uh, I, I think Alabama is is going to roll this year, and I think the tide's going to roll. So that's just the, where I, the way I stand on it. I understand that Oklahoma might have had a really good spring, but man, I don't understand putting them over the Crimson Tide at number one. Yeah, it's hard to put them over Alabama at number one. Uh, some of the other top ten teams that I'm kind of just looking into, I don't Look, I, I, I've been down on AM. I get that some people are ha- some people really like what they're doing. They are bringing back nine guys on defense. I get that. I just don't know what they can do offensively. You're replacing a guy in Kelamon who, again, he started for, what, three decades at AM, it felt like. At least. I mean, he was there in the 70s for sure. Uh, Kelamon, he's leaving, and you're losing a lot on offense. But more importantly, at least in my opinion, you're not just losing your quarterback. You're losing an offensive line. And when you have a new quarterback – I don't know, Auburn fans, you tell me. When you have a quarterback who's not protected, how well does that look? It's, freshman. I was like, how, well did, how well does that look for when Bo Nix has to do it? And I think you got a guy who's going to be a freshman thrown into this situation with what you assume is going to be a, a not very good offensive line at A&M, at least a new offensive line that's going to have to work out some kinks, kind of work out to play together. So I don't see Texas A&M as, as a top 10 team right now I could see them achieving that later on in the year but going into the season I just find it really hard when you don't when you don't really have a good quarterback situation or an offensive line situation going into it I think it's hard to put them at number seven for me here's my perspective on Texas A&M 
if you are going to lose that offensive line, I think it's I think it's the the pivotal point for this Aggies team this season because of a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's something the article hits on. The 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 Aggies are going to have to learn how to rely heavily on their two tailbacks and Isaiah Spiller and Devin Ack. I, I, I do not want to mispronounce his last name. I'm just going to call him Devin. Those two backs, but specifically Isaiah Spiller, they're going to have to figure out how to lean on them in that running game. Well, if you don't have an offensive line, how are you going to be able to do that? Number two, if you're starting sophomore Haynes King, or if you're starting uh, their, their, their other freshman quarterback, how are they going to be able to throw the football if they don't have an offensive line to protect them? I don't see this team working out offensively, and I don't see them at number seven. Yeah, I don't either. I just think there's too many problems for, for that Aggie team. We're about to go to break. Just stay with us on the line. We'll be right back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama. We want to hear from you still, 334-321-1390. We got a little update for Auburn High School Baseball. They are still winning 7-6. to six. Top of the seventh, two outs. Auburn is making a pitch and change. So Hoover trying to get a late game rally to salvage their season and try to take the try to take home the the state championship. They're not giving up over there in Montgomery. So again, Auburn leading Hoover seven to six, two outs left in the top of the seventh. And the bases are loaded, and Auburn is making a pitch and change. The bases are loaded, and Auburn is making a pitch and change. All is, they need is one out, man. Come on, this, I, I jinxed it. I jinxed it, Levi. This is what this is what baseball comes down to, though. You got bases loaded. You got bases loaded. Top of the seventh in high school baseball. You're up by one run in the in the state championship game. This is what it comes down to. Every single one of those players, I guarantee you, they have dreamt of a moment like this at some sort of at some stage like this. So that you, you gotta just you gotta answer the challenge. This is a great opportunity to just come in, cement yourself as an Auburn high school legend right now. You come in, you get the out wherever you want it. It doesn't matter. You strike them out to pop out. You get the you get the out at first, second, third, home. It doesn't matter. This is where it comes down to right here. And you know, this happened in the in the stinking championship game with football. Auburn was up. And we saw how that one went. I, it can't happen again. It can't happen again. And I, I feel like I've jinxed it now the more I'm thinking about it. You know, I said for two stinking coming back from breaks twice. I was like, yeah, Auburn will hold on to these leads. And here we are. We're looking at a very, very tense situation. Um, I'm not going to make a comment on it. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, no comment. We're just going to just keep an eye on it. We'll update you as it as it continues onward we're gonna try to go ahead and just pivot off this move on a little bit from this for now we'll we'll update you as it continues onward I wanted to keep talking about the top 25 that we were looking at because over the break I was looking at and I realized one glaring weakness in this power rankings that ESPN has put out no liberty like Liberty's nowhere really? to be found. Liberty was dropped out, and I think they're easily one of the top four best. Like I would, I could put Liberty at number one. Obviously, Liberty and the Flames better team than Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. Everybody knows that, obviously. But yeah, no Liberty. I, I think it's a little weird that they're not in the top twenty-five. I think they're pro- they're they're one of the favorites to actually be. You know, sort of a dark horse. We used to call them the BCS Busters back in the day, but. One of those dark horse teams like Coastal Carolina, like Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and some of those teams. 
obviously kidding when I say that they're clearly better than Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Just completely kidding. But I am shocked to not see them mentioned all in there. Another thing, Auburn, nowhere to be found. You, you, you kind of expect that when you change coaches and you're bringing in a lean roster in terms of just typically what you expect out of an Auburn team. But I do believe that there are some guys who are also undervalued on this. I think Florida at 17 is a little low. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm big on Emory Jones. I know not a lot of people are, but I think Emory Jones is actually going to come on for this Florida Gators team and just have an outstanding season. Real quick, I do want to kind of go back to it. Auburn has actually, they won the state title game, 7-6 to six your final over the Hoover Buccaneers. Tigers take the series 2-1 after dropping game two in what was uh, a very disappointing fashion, 8-2, to two, losing to Hoover earlier today, but they rally back. Uh, Hoover tries to make it a game there. Bases loaded, two outs, bot- or top of the seventh. All Auburn needs to do is just get another out in the inning, and sure enough, they do. Again, seven to six year final, Auburn High School state champions. And, you know, we talked about it earlier about how good of a season this has been for Auburn High School athletics, period. You know, softball going to the regionals. And this has just been an incredible group. What an incredible group of seniors. All of these guys have the ability to play college ball after just listening to them. <laughs> they, it's a very, very talented squad, and I'm so happy to see them win a state title. Yeah, that's great for all of our local listeners in the Auburn area. Auburn baseball, high school, they are going to be state champions. 7-6, to six, they did defeat the Hoover Bucks in the Game 3, the all-important Game 3, the rubber match, as you call it. And it came down to the wire. I mean, it came down. You're up by one top of the seventh bases loaded yet to bring in another pitcher which again what do we say the strength of this Auburn team was they had a lot of pitching depth they could go into the bullpen and get guys to come out in certain situation and close out games for you that's just something that you like you love to see when you come in and your strength is what can take you there I mean look they made it a lot closer than you were expecting too late in the game it looked like Auburn was in control of it then Hoover comes back pulls it to within one run But Auburn strength, going to the bullpen, having that depth, they can go to a guy out of that bullpen in that situation, and you can win. And you can win a game like that. So it's nice. So great job for great. Congrats to Auburn High School, the baseball team. Very good. You know, job well done. Very proud of the boys out there. And it's it's nice. It's nice to go ahead and get a championship. Bring it home. Your state champions. Feel good about it. And you know, I'm here for it. So congratulations, guys. And it's really awesome job, Lance. I, what do you think about this, man? I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words because it's it's really good. I mean, it's just a great moment for Auburn High School. It's fantastic for this high school man. Again, you know, it's been such a great year. Auburn's come up so close in some of these major sports that they've been playing, football, basketball, they got down to the wire and they got so close to winning some titles, but they just couldn't quite execute. Ryan Olsen striking out Cade Carr with the bases loaded. It's just a very exciting moment for these Tigers. I'm so proud of this team. I'm just so excited for this for this high school, man. They needed this. They needed something after losing a couple of state championships and Final Four appearances. They needed something to kind of push them over the edge. This has been an incredible year for Auburn High Athletics. And, you know, it's something to kind of replace what has been an, a, a down year for Auburn University, for me, at least emotionally. Yes. It's been a fantastic year for, for Auburn High School. Can't say enough about how great of a season this baseball team has had, you know. It's, just, it's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, the state championship in football that 
got away from him. You look at the Final Four appearance in basketball that got away from him, and it feels good to finally get one. You get over that hump. You you had a shot at all at, at the other two sports. You had a, a shot. It, it almost felt like there was a cloud kind of hanging over him towards the end of the game where you're thinking there's no way that they can lose this one too. There's no way that they're going to get knocked out of this one as well. Then Hoover starts creeping back into it, and you're starting to think, oh, they, 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 they might actually lose this game. But, again, congratulations to Auburn High School. It's great that they won that. We'll pivot back to our, our football coverage that we've been talking about today. Uh, ESPN released its power five, or its power rankings top 25 post-spring. Can we go over the teams that Liberty could beat real quick? Liberty, I mean, you want to do Liberty, who Liberty could beat. Like I mean, legitimately. Legitimately, I think. I mean, I still think they beat Ole Miss. So, I mean, that's one that I can look at. I think that they... They beat Penn State. They could Four look, and five Big Ten team, I think they beat Penn State. They could beat Penn State. They could beat Miami. Uh, they could beat Arizona State. I think they would beat Arizona State. I agree. Um, you're looking at them. I think they could beat Texas in a post-Sam Ellinger era. It's going to be... I mean, they have recruited pretty well. I'm interested to see what Steve Sarkeesian does at that. I don't know enough about Texas in terms of how they... like, I, I'm not sure how they're going to be looking next year in the first year of Steve Sarkeesian. So that one's kind of a... It's an iffy one. Texas might just have the have too much talent for Liberty to beat because they have recruited well over the past few years in the Tom Herman era. But if you catch a team sleeping that's trying to install yeah, a new exactly. scheme with that's, a new quarterback... That's like, what I'm saying. Like, I, it, it could go either way. On that one, Coastal Carolina, you've actually seen Liberty beat Coastal Carolina in the bowl yep. game last year. There you go. You know, they can do that. LSU. Uh, LSU's also in the top 20 here, which I, I don't... I don't necessarily agree with. If you don't have a quarterback, I don't really trust you at all. If you don't have a secondary period, I don't really trust you either. That and too. it's something that uh, Liberty does so well with Malik Lewis, which is throw the football around. And right now they have, what, three three quarterbacks. And you know what they say. If you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And that's just something that I, I can't get past. Uh, they're always going to be talented. LSU's always going to recruit well. And I just I don't trust what's going on in Baton Rouge. I, I, I could see Liberty beating them. I could also see LSU just kind of over talenting like over like just you know talent taking over in that situation didn't take over against troy three years ago it did not as long as they're not wearing the purple jerseys you trust lsu <laughs> the purple jersey game is they need to like i love the purple jersey but they need to stop because yeah. if they need to stop because if not they're going to keep having those upset games where they play in the purple jerseys already alluded to old miss on this wisconsin not quite sure what wisconsin's going to tr- like going to trot out you lost jack Cohn to notre dame I don't. I didn't see enough of Wisconsin last year. It was a COVID plagued year for them in the Big Ten. Not quite sure what they're bringing, but you kind of always trust Wisconsin because they typically recruit well. They have a good squad up there. I, I, I would lean Wisconsin, but I wouldn't be surprised if Liberty made a game out of that one. I think that could be a game, but I think Wisconsin takes that one. And then as yeah. far as Florida is concerned, I don't think they could beat Florida, but there are no. two other teams on this list that I'm looking at right now that I think they could, and that's back-to-back in Louisiana and Washington. I think they could beat both of those oh, teams 100%. for sure. Then everybody else, it does seem kind of far-fetched for them to try to compete, to, to really compete them. So I want to pose this question right before we go to break. We've got about two minutes left in this segment. What team on here do you like to make? Like one team on here that you like to make the playoffs outside of the top five teams so we Noah and I talked about this just a couple of days ago he and I are bullish on two different teams I am bullish on Miami at number 25 I think Miami out of all of these teams and Noah kind of disagreed with me uh, he said that he he thinks Clemson's going to be able to run the table in the SEC, ACC again I disagree 
Looking at Miami, they are, let me look real quick. I think they're at the top. They are third in the country in returning production. 95% of that De'Eric King-led offense comes back. I think Miami has a legitimate shot. If Clemson loses to Georgia in week one, I think that will be telling. And let's see. Well, if Miami loses to Alabama and Clemson loses to Georgia and they both finish their seasons out and they win, they win every single game, they'll meet in the ACC title game. And I think quarterback play is so important. And I think this Miami team, with their veteran experience, they're going to be able to get over the hump. And I think they could beat Clemson in that ACC championship game. That defense for Clemson has not been the same uh, as it has been in the past. Some really talented defensive linemen that have come out of Clemson. Not so much the last season. I don't think they're going to have a great defensive line this season. That secondary has not been what it used to be. It's just not It's not what what we're used to seeing out of Clemson. And I think a team like Miami could surpri- surprise some folks. I don't think Manny Diaz is a fantastic coach, but I think Miami, with, with what they're bringing back, I think they could definitely make some noise. And if they get hot late in the season, I could see them upsetting a team like Clemson. And that's fair. I could, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm with you on it, but I'm not like completely against it. Like, I, I, I can get there. Like I, I'm leaving the door open to where I could get there. I look at a couple teams on there obviously there's a team at number six when I said outside the top five number six looks pretty good because you look at Iowa State you win all your games you beat Oklahoma problem is you got to beat Oklahoma twice I would assume once in the regular season and then in the big 12 championship they have they have the path out in front of them it's it looks good it looks like all you got to do is really just catch your Oklahoma's twice and you should be in the playoffs but for a, a couple less obvious teams Oregon I really like what they're doing I think Kyle Thibodeau at defensive end is probably one of the best players in the country uh, in totality. You are going to have a quarterback competition, but shut mid-transfer out of Texas Tech. Anthony Brown looked pretty good uh, late in the year. I can see this Oregon team. They're talented. Mario Cristobal recruits well. I'm kind of big on the Pac-12 this year in terms of teams. I do like USC, but I don't know if they could make a... I don't know if they could make the Big Tw- uh, the Pac-12 championship with some of the other teams. And then another sleeper that... Not a lot of people are talking about I do like Florida, but I'm not going to go into de- details on Florida because I, I I don't have time to sit there and why I think they, they win. Indiana. I think Indiana is a team mm-hmm. with Penix Jr. coming back. Fry Fogel is going to be a number one uh, first-round pick at receiver in an NFL draft. That dude is so incredibly good. And you saw how well they played against Ohio State last year. with Fry, like Fry Fogel had a, an amazing game, him and Penix Jr. You're expecting Ohio State to maybe take a dip because you said it yesterday. This is Ryan Day's first like this is like his team of all of his recruiting class, not Urban Myers. So you think, oh, if Ohio State takes a step back, who benefits? Obviously, your Michigans. Obviously, your Penn States. But a lot of people are sleeping on Indiana, and I think this is a really talented team. You saw it last year. I think they could come in, and if Ohio State ends up having a down year, you could see Indiana. You could see Indiana end up in a Big Ten championship game. And if you make it to the Big Ten Championship game, you have a real shot at making the playoffs. You're exactly right. Ryan Day with his first team that's actually his. And what's been progressively getting worse under Day? That defense. What specifically on the defense? That secondary. What did Indiana expose last year whenever they played Ohio State? That the secondary. Def- yep. If you're going to bring back your quarterback, if you're going to bring back some of your top receivers, like you said, I think Fry Fogel is definitely a, a, a first-round pick next season. If you're going to bring back what you do well against one of the best teams in the league, you get to play them I believe it's at home this season 
you could see Indiana in the Big Twelve or Big Ten title game, and who else is going to challenge them? Penn State's it had a down year last season. I don't think they're going to be up to snuff. Wisconsin, I don't think is going to be an, an overly talented team. I think you could see Indiana winning the Big Ten and legitimately having a shot at the college football playoff. Not enough people are talking about Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I don't think enough people are talking about them. I think they could be a real threat to Ohio State if they have a down year. But with that being said, we are about to go to break, and we'll wrap up the show on the other side of this break. Stay with us. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama. You can find us on Twitter at Daw Pound, at Levi Fitzwater, wrapping up this show today. Normally, we would throw it to what's on TV tonight, but Noah just decided that he wanted to go call a state championship baseball game that the Auburn Tigers ended up winning. He wanted to do that instead. So, you know, we see you, Noah. And tomorrow when you come back, we will have some words to exchange with him. But don't forget, what's on TV tonight is Auburn versus Missouri at 630 Right after us, though, before you before you uh, tune into that game, you can catch the drive right here on ESPN 106.7. Bill Cameron, Dan Peck, talking some Auburn football, just kind of speculating around what's going on in the SEC and what's going on in Auburn. If you want to catch them, uh, very well-spoken uh, pair of guys. Love listening to them if you want to catch them. And then after you're done listening to them at 6.30, you got Auburn versus Missouri on SEC Network+. Plus. Auburn fighting for a spot in that SEC tournament, battling it out with Texas A&M, both sitting at the bottom of the SEC West in baseball. Whoever finishes this weekend with a better record, obviously, will will get into that SEC tournament. Really crucial series. If you want to tune in and listen to or watch that game, really encourage you to do so. It's it, it's getting heated. It's getting heated. And again, I mentioned it earlier. It's like whenever Auburn, you could say that Auburn's had their back against the wall this entire season and they've not been able to capitalize. But, you know, this feels a little bit different. I mean, like this is the final. This is it. This is the last straw. This is, yeah, it's the last, like this is it. This is the last little bit for Auburn to be able to do anything. Anything. Just you got to get, get to the tournament. If you can get to Hoover, you salvage a little bit of the season. You, di- you didn't redeem it. It was still a very underwhelming season for the, how talented this roster is. But you at least yeah, somewhat salvage it. And if none of that's your cup of tea, you don't want to watch Auburn baseball, I get that. You also got the State Farm NBA play-in tournament tonight, if you've been keeping up with that. A really good game last night between the Lakers and the Warriors. Came down, came down to a great LeBron James 3 with one eye open because of Draymond Green going in there and just digging around in his eye socket for a little bit. Yeah, this is a typical Draymond Green move. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you, you get it. You got to do what you got to do. But, yeah, a couple of good games last night. The Grizzly Spurs turned out to surprisingly be good down the stretch. Uh, John Morant had some people sweating a little bit when he missed his first free throw in a three-point game. Could have If you missed both of them, you got a chance for the Spurs to come back. Tonight, They are. it is going to be the Indiana Pacers versus the Washington Wizards. And uh, Pacers put on an absolute just monster of a show against the Charlotte Hornets in the first game. They won 144 to 117, absolutely dismantled Charlotte Wizards. I think they're a little bit better of a team than the Indiana Pacers right now. I'm sorry. I think they're a better team than people have given them credit for. A lot of some of the Wizards faults that have happened this year. You had Brad Beal hurt for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You had a couple games where... Just some crazy stuff happened at the end of the games that allowed you to lose games. It was just, it never felt like it was a talent issue with this team. It just felt like there was something that didn't get put together. Mm-hmm. Indiana, on the other hand, they've dealt with injuries. TJ Warren, he's been out all year. Sabonis, I mean, Sabonis is who he is. He's a great NBA player. 
I'm leaning towards picking the Wizards here for this one tonight, but I think I might just sit back and enjoy the basketball. So I picked 0 for 2 whenever I was talking with, I I believe it was you just the other day talking about, well, I think Golden State's going to somehow win this game. And, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think, well, no, I did pick, I went 1 for 2. I picked the Grizzlies and then I picked the Warriors and I went 1 for 2, but... You know, as far as Washington's concerned, I said on air here on this show that I thought they were the better team and that they had more star power than Boston, and obviously they lose that game to the Celtics by 18, playing against the Pacers tonight. They're favored, uh, Washington is, rather, by three and a half points. I'm going to stick with the Wizards. I Again, I think this team has a lot of star power. I think Sabonis is a very talented NBA player. He proved that against Charlotte. Just 21 rebounds for a guard is in, impressive at any point in 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 the season. But again, I'm gonna pick the Wizards. I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on Westbrook and Beal to have a really good game, and I think they're gonna get that uh, that eight spot, that eight slot and spot. Man, I really <laughs> words words are hard sometimes. Words are, words are hard sometimes. Yeah, I I thought the Wizards were gonna beat the Celtics as well. I thought they were a more talented team. So I, I was a little surprised when the Celtics because the Celtics have not been playing that well towards the end of the year. Uh, but Jason Tatum, I mean, he's he is who he is, and he can will you to a game as needed. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Wizards for tonight. The game tomorrow on Friday night, you're going to have Golden State Warriors and Memphis Grizzlies. That game I'm really excited for. Two of the premier guards in the league. You got Steph Curry, a man who does not need any introduction or reason for why you want to watch him. John Morant, another one of those guys. He might not have the the credentials. He might not have the hardware that Steph Curry has, but you know what he has? He has electric athleticism. Every single time the ball is in John Morant's hands, you expect to see a highlight because that's how good he is. Yeah, Stephen Curry obviously set the oh, NBA yeah. single season record for for average threes per game. Really talented. Uh, people consider him a point guard. Now, I was having a conversation with somebody last night after he he uh, he lost that game to LeBron. It's like, man. He he might be he might play the position, but he's definitely more of a shooting guard. If you're only averaging five point eight assists to three point four turnovers a game, that's not something an all time point guard does. I, I, I'll only have a little bit of rebuttal just because some of the guys are hurt. Like right. he doesn't have a lot of offense to dish it out to. But you that's are you are you are right. He is a scoring. He is he's looking to score when he has ball in his hands at this time. So another great episode of On the Line. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. You guys have a great rest of your day and stick around for the drive with Bill Cameron. We'll see you guys tomorrow.